following is a podcast of 19 North, a young adults ministry at Victory Family Church. For more details, see 19north.tv. But man, we're so glad that you guys are here. You're so glad that you're a part of 19 North tonight. And before I, I go into my message, I do have to make an announcement. Next week, we are having Summerfest. And we... We literally are going all out. We have a, a, a slip and slide downhill. I mean, we're probably going to go about 25 miles an hour downhill. We have a tractor pull in which you literally hold on to ski, pull, uh, ski things, and it whips you around. We're going to have a, a, some type of dipping dot. I'm not sure if it's dipping dots or itty bits or something like that. But, man, it's going to be an awesome time. Make sure you guys bring your bathing suits or change your clothes because we are going to have fun as a ministry. But last week... Louis Phillips did a phenomenal job talking about the love of God. And I want to finish this series off, Love Like Jesus. And we're going to look at how Jesus forgives sinners. How many of you know we were dead, but now we're alive? We were once sinners, now we are saints and children of the Most High. And I'm excited for this message because it's going to speak to some of us tonight about forgiving people that might have harmed us or hurt us in the past. See, I was a junior in college when I transferred from, from Penn State to Slippery Rock. And I didn't have any friends up at Slippery Rock. I didn't know a lot of people. But what I did was I, I went out every Friday night, and I, I went to the gymnasium, and I would lift, and I would meet people that weren't partying and having fun. And, I, and, I, and they did have fun, but I was out hanging out with those guys. And I got, I got a good group of guys real quick, within three weeks. But what I realized, every time that I would exit my apartment, I realized that my neighbor had his door open every single Friday, and he was playing video games, and he was drinking. I mean, he literally would get drunk every Friday because he had no friends. And then one Friday, I decided to say, hey, man, why don't you come hang out with me and my friends? We're just going to go to the gym. We're going to go out to eat after. So he agreed upon it, and he came, and he lifted, and he, and he ate with us. And then the following Saturday, I said, man, why don't you come check out church? Why don't you come out check out Victory Family Church? And he came. And at that time, that, that, that man, Robert, gave his heart to the Lord, which is an amazing thing because, man, he was lost in sin. But at the end of the year, there was two, I had two other roommates, and, and I was gonna, we were getting a third. And I said, hey, man, what do you think about coming and, and living with us? And he said, you know what, I, I don't have any plans. It is my senior year, so why not, why not come with you guys and connect with you guys? So he lived with us for about three weeks. We were in about three weeks in. And we realized that, that Robert had an addiction issue. Robert loved to drink. He would get drunk on a Tuesday and a Thursday and a, and, and a Saturday and Sunday. And one, one Thursday night, me and my roommates walked in the room, and we smelled this, this, this musty smell. It was just a sick smell. And we're like, man, why didn't you flush the toilet again? I was like, Joey, why didn't you flush the toilet again? Because that's what guys do. We forget to flush sometimes. Girls, this is what you get to look forward to. But we're like, what is that smell? And we started to, to, to look around and investigate. And we saw that there was puke in the kitchen sink. And we walked around and, and, and looked some more. And we, we found more puke in the bathroom sink. And we're like, man, we are going to kill Robert. Like, we already told him, man, you can't be doing this kind of stuff. Like, that's it. Like you cannot be disrespecting our house. You cannot be dis disrespecting our, our space. So when he came back, we sat him down and we had a harsh conversation. And me and my friends, we, we probably acted unchristlike because we were upset, but that is no excuse. But I was so bitter and I was so mad at Robert 
And then a couple weeks later, Robert did the same thing again. But then he, then he told me that he did some things to my, to, my, to my bedding. And I'm like, man, I literally cannot stand this kid. I want to kill him. If I can be honest with you, I wanted to kill him. I wanted to beat his face in. So as I was reading the Bible a few days after, I came upon a scripture. And when I, when, and when I read this scripture, I just had a piercing in my heart because I knew that I was in the wrong. And it says in Matthew 6, 14 through 15, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses or sins. I wanna read that again. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father cannot forgive you of your sins. And I broke into a panic when I read that verse because I quickly understood that I needed to forgive him, but I didn't want to forgive him. I I didn't feel like forgiving him because what he did was wrong, and I was mad. I was upset. I despised him. But when I read that verse, I realized that I had a problem because Jesus has called each one of us to forgive And there's some of you guys in this room tonight that this message is going to change your life, that this message is going to hit home because you have bitterness, you have that unforgiveness in your heart. And I believe tonight is a night where we start this process and this journey to complete healing of that wound. See, if you don't know anything about getting a cut or or something like that, what happens is after a period of time, there, there becomes a scab, and that scab will soon fall away and it'll become, it'll become a scar. And that scar is a reminder of what happened. But when that scar is there, it, it says, man, you have been completely healed. And there's a process that needs to take place tonight here at 19 North. See, not only did Jesus forgive sinners, but he has called us Christ followers to do the exact same thing, to forgive as he has forgiven us. In Luke 23, we see probably the most beautiful picture of Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus, the Son of God, never sinned, led a complete whole life. And he died on the cross for you and for me. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for me and he died for you. And he was hanging hanging in between two criminals. And it says in Luke 23, 32, verse 33, says, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to this place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. At this moment, guys, we see an amazing display of supernatural forgiveness. And it says that there was a guy on the right and a guy on his left If you guys don't know anything about execution and and, and uh, being crucified, it was a very expensive expensive thing because it it took a lot of manpower and time. And what would happen was they would literally strip them down naked and they would beat them and they would flog them and they would mock them and they would laugh in their face. And then they would put nails through their wrists and nails through their ankles and they would be hung on a tree 
And this was a sign. This was basically a humiliating and torturous publication that they did to these criminals. And then what would happen is when they were hanging on the tree, they would literally suffocate themselves to death because they couldn't breathe because they, were, they didn't have enough strength to hold up. And what they would do is they would, they would use their legs and they would try to push up and it was tremendous pain and agony just to get a breath. And you see the movies, you see the, the passion of the Christ, they show that Jesus was this high up and the criminals were this high up. He was actually this low. So what, what, what they would do is they, they, would, they would make fun of them face to face. They would look them in the eye. They would spit in their face. And then the criminals would think, if I could just have a step, that's a step towards freedom. That's a step towards my next breath. And that's what Jesus, the beautiful display of him dying on the cross for me and for you. See, the creation that he was dying for, they were mocking the creator in the flesh. You say you're the son of God. You say you, you, you save others. Save yourself. You're the king of the Jews. Are you kidding me? You can't even save yourself. And he laid there. He laid there on the cross. He hung there on the cross. And then he did this. He looked up and he prayed this prayer to his father, the most unbelievable, loving, grace-filled prayer that you could ever imagine. And he says in, in verse 34, Jesus said this, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. See, I told you guys that tonight is going to be a challenging message. Because if you live long enough, you're going to have people that hurt you, that harass you, that, hurt, that harm you, that abuse you. For some of you guys, you've been sexually abused. And it breaks my heart. It really does when, when I think about the statistics in America with women, one out of every three girls is sexually abused. And that breaks my heart. Or maybe you've been cheated on. You've been dating this person for a long time. And they decide to be unfaithful and they go with another man or another girl. Or maybe it's a friend that, that went behind your back and broke your trust. You thought you could be open with them and tell them the things that you're struggling with. But they, they went and they told all of your other friends. Or maybe it's that pain inside of you of someone lying to you. Or maybe it's your mom and dad. Growing up, you're just, your dad thought, thought it would be a better idea just to walk out on you and your family. And you were left raising your family with your mom, raising your brothers and sisters. Or maybe you're mistreated at work. There's some of you that have been mistreated at work and let go for no apparent reason. Or maybe it's not that big, that big thing, but maybe it's that small, ongoing thing that continues to, to, to egg you on. It's like putting your nails down a chalkboard. It just drives you crazy. It's that somebody that, that literally always has something to say about you. You're never good enough. You'll never mount up to anything. They, they just torture you. Or maybe it's unforgiveness towards somebody that's not even living right now. Or maybe it's unforgiveness against God. You say this, God, how could you do something like this? Why would you do something to me like this? How can you let this happen to me and you become bitter at God? Or maybe it's yourself. You know, we're, we're our biggest critic. 
maybe it's yourself, you've done something in the past and you can't let it go, but you recognize that God has forgiven you, but you cannot forgive yourself. How do we love and forgive like Jesus when people have hurt us and harmed us? And I wanna take a look at two thoughts straight from God's word that will stir our hearts and perhaps begin a work inside of us that we can find freedom in forgiving those who have hurt us. How do we forgive like Jesus? The first one is this, pray for those who hurt you. Pray for those who hurt you. Luke 6, 28 says this, bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. And I know what some of you guys are thinking right now. Lord, I pray that you give them hemorrhoids. I pray that you give them the worst kind of hemorrhoids of the year. And I don't even know if that's possible, but I think it paints a good picture of how we can feel sometimes. Or maybe you say this, Lord, send them straight to hell where the worms never die and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Maybe that's the kind of prayers we're praying to God when someone hurts us. And in Matthew 5, this is the most shocking words that Jesus ever spoke to his audience. Let me say this again. The moment that the hearers heard this word, they were like, oh, 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 no, there's no way that he meant that. There's no way that, that he's calling us to do something like that. He's absurd. He's crazy. He's a lunatic. But it says in Matthew 5, 43 and 44, Jesus said this, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Wait a minute. Did, did Jesus really just call us to do that? See, that was 100% counterculture in every way in that time. If you guys don't know about the Romans, the Romans actually worshiped a God called revenge. And they would worship him, and they would say, get him, God. Get him, kill him, make him, make him suffer. And then the Jewish people, what they would hear growing up is this, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, blood for blood. Someone hits your car, yeah, you hit their car back. Someone steals your girlfriend, yeah, you steal her back. Someone flicks you off while you're driving, you flick them off while they're driving. And that's why some of you guys shouldn't have Life at Vickery bump, bumper stickers. That's why I don't have a bumper sticker. It's not, it's not that I would flip somebody off, but if someone would cut me off, you, be, you better guarantee that I'm running after them and asking God for forgiveness later. But maybe, but maybe, just maybe, God's calling us to love our enemies. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. See, Jesus said, Jesus said, you heard this, but I say love those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you. Did someone hurt you? Pray for them. Has someone betrayed you? Pray for them. Has your mom and dad walked out of you, uh, on you and your family, and you don't understand why? And you have so much unforgiveness? What does God say? Pray for them. 
Did someone take advantage of you? Pray for them. And why Jesus was saying this, I believe one of the reasons is because it takes a right attitude before it takes a right action. Because right attitudes precede right actions. When you hate somebody, when you despise somebody, when you can't stand somebody, it, it's almost impossible to forgive those people. And that's what I started to do with Robert. I realized what God was calling me to do. He was calling me to pray for Robert. And at first, my prayers were like this. Lord, pray for Robert. Lord, I don't like Robert, but I'm praying for him. And over a period of time, my prayers started to sound like this. Father God, I thank you for Robert. I thank you that you have created him, that he has a destiny for you. God, I thank you that he is your child, that you care for him. I don't understand why he's doing these things, but God, I'm trusting in you and I'm abiding to your word. I'm being obedient to what your word has said that I need to live by. Because your prayers for others might not change them, but it will always change you. I need something here. Your prayers for others might not change others, but it will change you. Jesus said this, love your friends. Uh, you heard this, love your friends, hate your enemies. But I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. The first principle to living in forgiveness is to pray for those who have hurt you. The second one we're going to look at tonight, and we're closing here very soon. Forgive as you have been forgiven. Colossians 3.13 says this, Forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. How do we forgive when something significant happens to us? We forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. How do we forgive when someone hurts us and we don't want to forgive? We forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. How do we forgive something that seems and feels so unforgivable? We forgive as God has forgave us. See, when you look at your sins, when you look at the things that you have done in the past, you look at the things that you, you, you knew were wrong but you decided to do them anyway, like those Friday nights, you knew that the Lord was saying, man, I need you to stay in tonight, but you decide to go out and party. That, that late night when you know you should be sleeping, but you decide to turn the channel because you want to feed the flesh. You know all those sins that you have done in your past? Jesus forgave you. Jesus has forgiven me of my sin, of my imperfection and, and, and my fault. I'm covered by the blood. We're covered by the blood. And the blood covers a multitude of sin. At some point, we're going to have a chance and a choice to make. Can we hold on to the grudge against him or we, will we forgive them? I love what Anne Lamont said. She said, unforgiveness or bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It's like drinking poison and thinking, man, Lord, I pray that they die. It doesn't make sense. Unforgiveness does not make sense. The same way God has forgiven me, 
I'm going to forget others. And some of you guys need to become a little bit more like the Frozen song. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Let it go. Forgiving someone won't change your past, but it can change your future. Forgiving somebody will not change your past, but it can change your present and your future. See, the day that I chose to forgive that man, God set a prisoner free. And that prisoner was me. When I asked God for forgiveness, you know what he did? You're covered. I love you. You're my child. And I end with his story. Robert actually dropped out of college. After his, first, his senior year, his first semester, he didn't come back. But I had a conversation with Robert. And we sat down, and it was a man conversation. And it was a good conversation. And he apologized. He said, Zach, I know I was wrong. I know what I did to you guys and what I did to your bed and what I did to your clothes. I know what I did was wrong. And I want you guys to know that the reason I act this way was because I was actually adopted. And I don't understand how I can be here in the United States and live in freedom while my brothers and my sisters are scraping for food. I just have so much guilt and shame that God would choose me to live this kind of lifestyle. I don't want to live this kind of lifestyle. I want to be back in Honduras with them. And he began to open up to me. It was only after the fact that I forgave him, that I loved him, that I, I said, man, I don't care. I don't care what you have done in the past. The past is the past. We're moving on. I forgive you. And what I want us to do tonight, and this is going to be a little difference is going to draw you guys out of your comfort zone. I actually need my leaders to come up front because we're going to pray for people that has unforgiveness tonight. Because when you pray with other believers, it says that God can set you free because you bring that darkness into light. And where there is lightness, there cannot be no darkness. And that, and that, that for unforgiveness, when you have that accountability, can set you free. So what I want everybody to do is just bow their heads and close their eyes. And I want some of my leaders to come up front and we're going to go back into worship. If you tonight say, man, I have this burden, I have this heavy weight and bitterness of unforgiveness, I know that it's wrong and I know that I need to change, but I'm having a hard time jumping over this wall, I'm having a hard time getting through this barrier, I want you to know that God wants to meet you here tonight, that God wants to set you free. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want you guys to simply raise your hand and say, man, I need to ask God for unforgiveness. Can I see your guys' hands? I see hands everywhere. Is there anybody here tonight that says, man, I need God to ask me for, uh, I have unforgiveness, and I need prayer tonight? I believe there's more than, than, than people are raising their hands right now, but I believe that, that those who come forward, God will meet you here. So as we go back into worship here in a second, I want to offer this invitation to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm going to simply ask you to raise your hand. And Jesus said he will come into your heart. Because when you confess and believe that Jesus is Lord, he said he will come in. And he'll make you brand new. So if there's anybody here tonight that says, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, I'm going to simply ask you to raise your hand in the count of three. And Jesus will come into your heart. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I'm not saying that you won't have issues or problems or trials or tribulations. Those things come to every man. But with God, he can help you get you through. 
So with every head bowed and eyes closed, I simply want you to raise your hand in the count of three. One, two, three. Is there anybody here tonight that says, I want to make Jesus? I see that hand. Is there anybody else here tonight that says, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life? I see that hand. So what I want to do is I want to pray, and I want you guys to repeat after me, then we're going to go back into worship. I want you guys to come forward to receive prayer for unforgiveness. So repeat this after me. Dear Father God, I recognize that I'm a sinner, but I turn towards you. My past is my past. You are my present. Right now, I accept you as Lord and Savior in my life. I'm no longer the, uh, no longer the same because you live inside of me. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for those who decided to follow Jesus. And what I want everybody to do is stand back on their feet. We're going to go into one more worship song. And if you have some unforgiveness that you need to let go, I promise you that, that God wants to meet you here tonight. So let's go head back into this song.